Welcome to PPM Simplifies. This is a weekly podcast that will help you have a better understanding on environmental regulations and how they relate to your industry. In each episode, we'll talk with experts across various industries who will share their insights with you. This is PPM Simplifies. On today's episode, we have a fantastic guest, Mr. Trey Hess. Uh, Trey's our Jackson, Mississippi office. He is a professional engineer out of the University of Mississippi State. Uh, can we say it that way, Trey, or we just say state? How, how do we do that? We can try Hell State. How about that? <laughs> I love it. Well, I think our topic probably gives lenders and due diligence and developers everywhere a little bit of hell. So maybe that was the right way to open that up. I think you kind of did a good segue there. there Is that go. a fair comment? I think that works well. Sure. No problem, Todd. Let's just get this thing started. <laughs> oh, you're a good man. But uh, Trey is an amazing professional. Uh, Trey retired from the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality. And uh, Trey has dabbled and handled and led a lot of different divisions and a lot of medias. Uh, so his knowledge and wealth of experience is, is certainly incredible. Uh, Trey has a real passion and, and just deep knowledge base for brownfields. And that's how this ties into it because doing, you know, due diligence, phase one, phase twos, AS team standards, that's really a foundational piece for, for good brownfield policy, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, one of the biggest challenges I think that we all face is what's good enough, what is due diligence, and what um, what do you need to look at to make sure you're not buying a lemon. And, of course, uh, when it comes to brownfield redevelopment, the first step is really focusing on uh, on what that property looks like. And the ASTM standard is something that has been there for, for some time to, uh, to do so. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that standard looks like, some of the updates, and what you need to do to make sure you get the right people on your team. Well, well uh, I think that's the right way to kick it off, my friend. And so, so let's do it. Give us a history on, you know, I guess maybe prior to, to ASTM putting standards out, it was really Wild West willy-nilly, and they tried to rein in. But give us an overview of what that's looked like as, as a standard has been developed. Sure. So, you know, if you think about it, around the, the late 70s, early 80s, uh, EPA created um, Superfund. And in Superfund, uh, one of the big challenges with that, which is the uh, – which some people call CERCLA, uh, with that, a lot of the liability schemes be, became a part of that process. And, of course, with that, if you bought a piece of property at the time and it had environmental issues with it, well, guess what? You ultimately would be uh, responsible for any cleanup. Well, uh, with that, the American Standards for Testing of Materials, ASTM, uh, began a process. A committee was was formed in 1990 to really look at what is a way – to create a standard such that there's good uh, commercial and customary practices for doing the inquiry, and it's called all appropriate inquiry, AAI, into into a piece of property to ensure that you've looked at the past uses, looked at the site itself uh, to evaluate whether there could be a recognized environmental condition on the site. So that started a uh, committee in 1990 with ASTM. It's an e. It's called the E50 committee. 
And uh, from there, every seven years, ASTM looks at this standard, which is the E1527 ASTM Phase 1 Environmental Site Assessment Standard. And so in 94, 97, 2000, 2005, 2013, he, uh, uh, ASTM has updated this to reflect some of the changes. I mean, think about it, Todd. You know, uh, before uh, Al Gore inter- uh, created the Internet, you know, one of the things you had to do was actually go out and do a lot of site visits and, and review uh, paper documentation. Well, as as uh, that industry has evolved and we've gotten more online access to information, obviously standards change to reflect the new conditions. And so... Uh, in 2020, this uh, committee, uh, E50 for ASTM, did their eight-year, seven-year, eight-year review of the standard, which the last one was 2013, and they came out with a new standard in 2021. And so we're talking a little bit today about, well, what what was that update about, and what are some changes, and what should uh, what should our our uh, listening audience really look at to evaluate a phase one when they get one. Cause sometimes uh, you may get a, you may get something that looks pretty doggone official, but if it doesn't have the right standard, then, then you have some liability potentially there. Well, and, that, and that's right. And it's a constant evolution as these updates come. And I know getting those negotiated and going through all the details can be very challenging, but as they produce these, you got to make sure you're up to date. So on the new standard tray, What are some highlights of some things that have changed? One of the first things, of course, is there's key terminologies and some of some revisions to definitions. So back in back in the last one, 2013, uh, ASTM introduced the concept of a CREC, a a controlled recognized environmental condition, and an HREC, a historic recognized environmental condition. And of course, any phase one and, and maybe the the, the the cliff notes way of describing it is when you get a phase one if you're if you're a practitioner out there or a or a user of a phase one the first thing you want to do is look and see if a recognized environmental condition has been identified and a wreck um, because a wreck can wreck your project if you don't evaluate it so just something maybe something to think about that so well with that there needed to be a little more clarification so one of the first things of course was key terminologies like that were were further evaluated. And then the other thing is people were were using property, site, um, subject property, uh, uh, properties, parcels. They were using a lot of different terminologies. And if you really think about it, uh, what needed to happen was was standardizing that. So when you're talking about uh, the, the ASTM standard for 2021, the first key terminology or definition was subject property. In other words, what is the subject of this phase one? And so throughout, and this is maybe another way to see if your if you're, uh, phase one that you've received, if it's got the right terminology there, is it should throughout, when it's talking about the property or parcel that you're interested in, the term subject property. So that was there. And then finally, what, what I like about it, uh, reviewing this, and of course, I was on the, the, the ASTM committee and um and and really was almost more of an observer than anything else because it, there were a lot of really smart folks on that committee and kudos to them for doing that work but um uh but listening through that i found that um the appendix x4 was a really handy tool i'm i'm an engineer todd and anytime you can give me a flow chart i love flow charts and so 
figure X41 is an actual logic that describes what is a REC, what is a C-REC, and it's a good, really neat tool to do that. So, so I'm, I'm right on board with you. I love flowcharts, too. And your prompts are simplified, so we're going to throw this up on the screen. And I'm not so sure. Sh- I mean, I guess it's simplified. Um, you know, it's not your simple A, B, C flowchart, but uh, it's taken a pretty complicated uh, issue in regards to RECs. And uh, this is a great tool, so tell us about it. Yeah. So, you know, the first question that should be asked in any decision uh, associated with whether this property is uh, has recognized environmental conditions is going to be, the one question, first question on this simplified logic is, is the presence or likely presence of a hazardous substance or petroleum product in, on, or at the subject property? So that's the first question there. And if it's a yes, then you move on to the next one. And, and following through this, is the is it present or likely present because of a release or likely release? And if it's no, then you go. So we could continue to work through this, Todd, and I think maybe at a, at a later um, uh, podcast, we can maybe walk this and uh, and do some examples. Because one of the really neat things about this is if you follow the logic and it's a, and it does have some logic to it, um, you'll see that you'll get to either. Yes, it is a wreck, which means that the property needs to have a phase two. No, it's not a wreck. Or is it a HREC, a historic wreck? And and really that gets into some criteria about did the regulatory authority um, subject this, do something in the past to bless the cleanup or if this was a historic issue there. And then, of course, another one is, is there any controls in the property? Um, so, again, let's do that some other time. But also maybe flipping on the next slide, another really neat piece on this is that they've actually given some examples. And so there's 12 examples in this appendix that walks through the various scenarios, pretty much any scenario, if you want to really get down to it. Number one would be not a wreck. So in other words, property is go forth and do good and redevelop all the way down to number 12, which is a historic wreck. In other words, there was some historic issues with this site. How was it reconciled? And I like the fact that they've gone through and done this uh, in, a, in a way that you can see context because it can get somewhat sophisticated and uh, be a, a little bit of a challenge um, when you're deciding REC, C-REC, H-REC, de minimis, all these different things. And and I, I will tell you, you know, the other thing to remember is a qualified environmental professional needs to be doing this work. And so the former home inspector who uh, is dabbling with this kind of work, you know, this is sophisticated and there was a lot of nuance to it and a lot of, well, what is this? What does the state want to do? Did they clean it up back in the past when cleanup criteria were different than they are now? All those kinds of things are really a part of this. And that can be pretty sophisticated because let's face it, Todd, things have changed since 1990. We now have uh, uh, emerging contaminants like PFAS and PFOAs. You've got a variety of different ways of looking at things. So the so obviously this is a fairly sophisticated process. And to get to, to for somebody to go out there and, and do a phase one for say twenty five hundred dollars, you might want to step back a minute because it does take some uh, qualified environmental professional to do this kind of work. And with this update, I would expect that there's going to be be some a little more scrutiny associated with that. Well, Trey Brock, listening audience, I think you vividly described uh, to their imagination 
what a flowchart tool looks like. And it's good to know that tools out there. There's uh, even better depth and breadth of definitions as you deal with property. And it is important because, again, when you're doing due diligence, when you're doing a phase one, you want to make sure you accurately know, uh, are there any risks, are there any wrecks, identify the property, uh, recognize moral concerns, and then, you know, how you can, can work through those. So that would be, you're right. We'll do, we'll certainly follow up for another podcast. Uh, but it was thank you for sharing a little bit of that uh, information with us and knowing those tools are out there. So, you know, the, the, it, it evolves. Um, over time, and we talked about that earlier, and as each step goes, uh, it gets to be better and better. But but also, you alluded to this, the stakes become higher because, you know, if you go out there and say, hey, I'm going to do a phase one, I'm looking, and, and I looked, and I, I see this used to be a chemical plant. They may have had benzene or, um, you know, some other chemicals. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you, there's probably some kind of environmental problem out there. That That's not even close to good enough anymore. It is not. In fact, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of so, you know, as a regu- former regulator, I've seen a lot of phase ones come across my desk from a variety of different folks. And 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 I do see some people doing what's called a transaction screen, which is a, a much smaller uh, piece of this. Just remember, a transaction screen is is not a phase one. It does not have the liability protection associated with it as a bona fide prospective purchaser. Or as, an, or as an innocent landowner defense or a contiguous property owner defense. There's all of these defenses to CERCLA that you've got to jump through the right hoops um, to, to do that. In fact, let me just give you one thing to think about. You know, a lot of cities and a lot of counties acquire properties. And I have had instances in the past where they've gotten a donation. And I've always said, be very thoughtful about somebody donating you a piece of property because number one, I don't know about you, but the donations that I do, I do to my church and there are eternal consequences associated with giving the church something that's not good. Well, sometimes uh, cities and counties may get donations for tax purposes or whatever. But um, but I do encourage cities and counties to do a phase one because the number one problem I find is after they've acquired those properties without doing due diligence, that city or county is not eligible for EPA cleanup grants. And I hate going into a community, talking to them about that property that they've acquired with all the intentions in the world to clean it up, to make it better for the community and me break their heart and tell them, did you do your phase one? Well, no, it was donated to us. Well, guess what? Checkbox number one is no longer applicable. Sorry. And, 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 you know, here's a shoulder to cry on kind of thing. Cause it, it just, it just, uh, uh, it's just sad that we've got people who are wanting to do the right thing and, and it's just the way it's set up. And so I always say, always, always cities, counties, and for that matter, private sector individuals do a phase one because you'll be surprised at times what you might find on those. No, no doubt about it. And so, Trey, as we wrap things up from the new revision, the new standard, the new STM standard for uh, phase ones, uh, are there some key terms and definitions that have been revised? Yeah. So so one of the other challenges, of course, is property use limitations. Um, it, there, there's actually an ASTM guidance uh, document associated with activity and use limitations. And, and as a former regulator, and some states do this, environmental covenants have become a, a big risk-based approach to to um to addressing sites well some of those have been regulatorily uh enacted which would be an activity and use limitation but there may be 
other limitations out there that that is a new terminology for that. The other thing too is another another big thing is there will be some some significant data gaps out there and 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 the new standard really wants to point that out to say, hey, environmental professional, highlight that. You may not have all the information and the, and the don't just gloss over it, but if there's a significant data gap, you need to point it out. Um, so that that's the other thing. And then finally, you know, Todd, the other thing remember is AAI. Uh, some of the other other sections that we have is the report structures out there where there's going to be um, a more added emphasis on photographs and site maps. I mean, Todd, there's been people doing phase ones for the longest time with no site map. Well, how do you know what that property is? And parcels, as you know, parcel maps can be a little bit confusing. Historic records reviews, uh, we need to They've been consolidated in a different way to do that. And then, of course, I've always said the site reconnaissance. If you're if you're hiring a, an environmental professional that lives eight states away and they're doing a phase one for you, I think the question you need to ask is, are you going to literally go to the site, which I would highly encourage because a Google Maps drive-by or an aerial through Google is not considered a site recon- reconnaissance. And let's face it, some of those Google Maps may be five years old. And a lot can happen on a property, even within a six-month period. So, uh, I, I do think that uh, having having people go to the site matters, and I think the the new standard does reflect that. No, no doubt about it, Trey. Man, this has been fantastic. I know we kind of went the appetites. We covered a lot of territory uh, in just a few minutes. We always appreciate you making time to do that. We will be coming back to this topic. It's an important topic. We're going to certainly talk. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world of brownfields, so we definitely want to get some information. We, we, we've got some podcasts out on that, but there's even more uh, coming. Uh, you know, revitalizing these areas in communities, uh, it's really great work, and there's so much out there. I mean, literally, uh, and Trey, you do it full-time. I mean, it is a, it's a full-time effort just trying to bring to bear uh, all these great opportunities. And there's lots out there, Todd, you know, the the – Lots happening with uh, with brownfield redevelopment these days. The new bipartisan infrastructure law is out there. Lots lots of new things are coming down the pipe, and and I encourage people to reach out to us and 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 talk to us about well, what's the difference? I mean, what what can you do to find some value there? Because that's our number one goal, at least my number one goal here at PPM, is we're not just providing you a deliverable, a phase one report. We're also trying to solve your problems and and, and basically trying to simplify the complex. Trey, this has been fantastic. As all, again, thanks for your time, my friend. To, if you'd like more information, if you'd like to discuss things with Trey or myself, the easiest way to do that is to hop on our website, ppmco.com. Uh, there's a contact us. You can zip it to uh, Trey and I and We'll be happy to follow back up with you if you'd like to discuss this topic or any other environmental issues. Uh, it's your pleasure. Just please do that. Uh, Trey, thanks again uh, for making time for us. To our audience, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And uh, until next time, this is Todd Perry, and this is PPM Simplifies. Thank you for finding our podcast. For more information, be sure to visit our website, at ppmco.com. To stay updated on new episodes, feel free to subscribe to PPM Simplifies on your podcast app of choice. Until next time, this is PPM Simplifies.